Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Pretty good, Amy. You know what's uh, been wild to watch this summer? What? This is like completely off topic for this podcast, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Not that we've ever had completely off topic discussions at the top of the podcast, but here we are. Uh, Lionel Messi coming to America and dominating in MLS. Have you seen any of those games? No. Okay. Well, it's been fun to watch. I'm thinking about it because he's playing again tonight. We're recording this on Friday. They're in the semifinal or the quarterfinals of the League's League's Cup in MLS, and they're playing again tonight, and my boys are all pumped because we've been watching all the games, and it's exciting. Yeah. I've not really gotten interested in the MLS stuff, although- You you have something else that you are like all in on now, which is- Like, even more bizarre than me watching soccer. I do. Tell the the folks what what your new thing is. So, we have become quite interested in, um, we have a minor league cricket team here. Cricket? Uh, Really, yeah. You think Dr. Moore watches that? (laughs) I don't know. Um, Some folks would get that joke. It's a good joke. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the the Morrisville Raptors, and so it's over kind of close to the Raleigh Airport. But our field, I guess, our field is one of the is one of only two in the U.S. that actually is like constructed regulation for Major League Cricket, which launched this summer in the U.S. And so there's like some franchise teams. There's six teams around the country that are connected with global franchises. So. They came for a week. They did. It's like they play in Grand Prairie, Texas, and then they came here for a week and then back to Grand Prairie, Texas. The major league season was three weeks. And so we went when it was here and we loved it. And uh, so the major league season is is over. It was very quick. We'll we'll get involved in that next year, too. But now we're wanting to kind of get into our minor league team here. We tried to go last Friday, but it was rained out. So it had rained earlier and I think the field was too wet. Um, So they'll be back in a few weeks. I think they're on the road right now. The Raptors are, but yeah, so we're learning the rules. We're watching some online and, and things. Yeah. So I can't really say I'm not interested in Lionel Messi and MLS because that's weird since I'm, getting interested in cricket. Yeah, that which is even weirder. Yeah. Throwing that out there. Yeah. I, right. Of all the sports out there, cricket's the one that befuddles me because I don't understand the scoring. Well, so I will I will tell you real quick. So we were really embarrassed. You, huh? um, <laughs> right. When we were there, there were so many things we didn't understand that were going on. And so there was this guy uh, next to us and he had on like some jerseys and stuff. We And we asked him a bunch of questions. And he knew, I mean, he was so kind and um, he was a young, young guy, like 20s, 30s, something like that. So kind. And he was there with his family. They had come from Maryland because a lot of people around the region. And then he got up to go do something and was gone for a little bit. And Keith started talking to his dad because uh, his whole family was there and then found out from his dad that he is a minor league cricket. Like the guy plays minor league in Florida. And I... I cannot even describe the level of like dumb questions we were asking. Like it, it was the bowler. It was the most elementary. Wicket. Yeah, it was. I mean, the most like I know the basics, but I don't understand the overs right. and the innings it, it, and all that. I just right. it doesn't make it sense. Was, it was the most elementary stuff, and he was so patient to explain. 
but I'm sure he was thinking, why are these people here? <laughs> hey man, grow in the game. Grow in the game. That's right. That's I, right. I, I sit next to people. It. I sit next to people that I have to explain offsides in hockey to That's almost right. every time I go. There you go. So But this happens. is yeah, this is a version that is called um I think it's twenty twenty or twenty two or something. And it's like it it's designed to play in about three hours because kind of a regulation one it's, it can last like five days. Yeah, but test this cricket is the one and different yeah, right, those are right. Different. This is this is the one that's designed Basically, each team goes one round. All right. For the so, two people fun. who have made it through this, we appreciate you sticking with the podcast. Thank you. We actually have some big news this week. But uh, yeah, cricket, it's the craziest thing. Like you told me that a few weeks ago, and I was just like, that is so yeah. on brand for Amy Whitfield to be now, do, now going to, to cricket. Yeah, to do weird so stuff. So on brand. Basically. I cannot tell you how on brand that is. All right. Well, hey, let's jump into it. I uh, want to thank our sponsor. You heard the interview last week with Jeff Celentano and Ricky Hill of the new upcoming movie, The Hill. Don't miss the most inspirational movie of the summer, Briarcliff Entertainment's The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid in theaters Friday, August 25th. That's two weeks away. The Hill is a true life story of professional baseball player Ricky Hill, who grew up in a small town in Texas. Young Ricky discovered his extraordinary ability for hitting a baseball, but with leg braces and a degenerative spinal disease, the major leagues were just a dream that could never be. Courageously, he risks it all, defying his father's wish in his footsteps to become a pastor. Ricky tries out for a major league scout, pushes hard to overcome his disability, and goes on to become a baseball phenomenon. The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid, Colin Ford, and Scott Glenn, is a true life inspirational story about family, faith, and a baseball miracle. Don't miss The Hill, rated PG in theaters, Friday, August 25th. Get your tickets today online. Link in the show notes there for that. You can also you know, use Fandango, whatever you use, your AMC account. Whatever app you use to buy tickets for the movies, go check out The Hill starting August 25th. Amy, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin your cricket date nights if you have to go to the movies, but you're going to have to go see this one. That's right. I can't wait. It's kind of like cricket. Baseball is kind of like cricket, Amy. You'll enjoy it. A little, a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. <laughs> She's like, yes, I'm well aware of what baseball is, Jonathan. Thank you very yes. much. Okay. All right. Hey, let's jump into it. Big news this morning. Got a text from Bart Barber this morning saying, hey- about to announce this. Heads up. Have y'all recorded yet? And I'm like, no. It's like, good. Here we go. So we have a new ARITF chairman, and we also have a new cooperation group chairman and some new members to the ARITF as well. That's right. President Barber announced the Abuse Reform Implementation Task Force, which if you remember, when that was established by the Sexual Abuse Task Force recommendation in Anaheim, it was uh, that it could be renewed each year and any vacancies would be filled by um, the current president. So then this year in New Orleans, the ARITF, the existing one, asked for another, for the extension of another year as they sort of transition to permanent solutions. So that task force, you know, would continue unless there are vacancies. And so there are some um, vacancies. Yeah, yeah. So some some people stay the same, but then there are some some that have have changed. So first of all, announced thanking um, Marshall Blaylock, Cindy Lott, and Jarrett Stevens, who all served last year. So there are vacancies from those spots. So the full task force includes uh, the new chair, who is Josh Wester, friend of the pod. 
That's right. And pastor of Cornerstone Baptist um, Church in Greensboro, North Carolina, not that far from me. Mm-hmm. Um, also on the task force, I'm going to give the people who are continuing and then uh, the new people. So people who have been serving on it had, ser- had were named last year. Melissa Bowen from First Baptist Prattville, Alabama. Chris Buckman. Um, she is a member of Tri-County Baptist Church in Damascus, Maryland. Um, Brad Eubank from First Baptist Petal, Mississippi. Mike Keebone from First Baptist Lawton, Oklahoma. John Nelson uh, from Soma Community in Jefferson City, Missouri. And Greg Wills, uh, he's at LaGrange Baptist in LaGrange, uh, Kentucky. So he, I think, was at Southwestern. Yeah. Um, down in Texas when he was when he was uh, named last year, but then has moved um, and is on faculty at Southern Seminary now. And so, but he remained on the task force, and he will be serving on it this year. Those vacancies, obviously, Josh Wester being one of them, but then also Stephanie Klein from First Baptist Winter Garden in Florida, and Kelly Lammers from Dell Baptist in Dell, Arkansas. So right. um, they will uh, continue the work as they were extended to do. Yes. So that's the ARTF. Congrats to Joshua Wester on that. Maybe we can get him on at some point and get an interview with him and talk about the uh, the ARITF's uh, path this year and kind of what they've been tasked with and uh, what they hope to accomplish this year. I, I do think this will probably be the last year of the ARITF because I, I think, you know, they're they're anticipating wrapping things up. So. Uh, yeah. That'll be this year. So congrats to Josh on that. And then also the cooperation group. That is the task force related to the James Merritt motion right. at the annual meeting. So right. that will be led by former EC chairman, Jared Wellman. And yes. he will be the chair of that. Now, we don't have the full list of that. But right. the cooperation group will be led by Jared Wellman, who's pastor in Arlington, Texas, over there at Tate Springs. And uh, Bart Barber said in naming the cooperation group and, and calling it that, that's a very intentional move, too, as well. Not a task force. The cooperation group says he believes that they will engage in high-quality research, dialogue, prayer, and contemplation about the nature of cooperation among Southern Baptist churches and our needs going forward. So uh, also noted to us that... The name of the group is not by accident. It is the cooperation group because he wants people to focus on cooperation and didn't want it to sound okay. like a military strike force or just another committee. So Got very it. important to note there. I like that. Um, also, something that I thought was an interesting point in there that is that he asked, and the word is asked, not there's no direction, no authority here. He asked local associations and state conventions that are within the SBC family to press pause on any ongoing work they may be conducting or motions they may be considering. Um, And that's I think that's a a very valid thing to bring up because we're moving into state convention season. A lot of times these conversations sort of trickle in that in that direction. And the SBTC have something that they were in the process of doing. well, they had a motion that was asking them to provide resources, but no, there was no, no, debate. no. The SBTC last year. Oh, y- yes, uh, but I don't remember what all. I don't remember it's where like a that is. Three-year compliance period or something. Yeah, I don't remember what that process. But I think probably knowing that people might bring motions from the floor, or they may want to yeah. talk about amending constitutions. Um, 
and essentially what he's asking, and he's saying uh, these groups are autonomous. So there's no, you know, this, there's no direction that can come, but he is saying this cooperation group will be doing the research that you, you just mentioned and that he thinks they will provide a work product that could be helpful at every level. Yeah. And so he put that out as a request to say, Hey, can we all just sort of stop? for us for a minute and let this group work they can they can provide something that can help all of us yes. uh, so that was part of his announcement as well and he also said that he plans to name the remaining members of that cooperation group by the end of august so and we have one more there'll be one more that he'll have to name yeah as yeah well. that's right we got the gcr review task force or that's right maybe the gcr review cooperation group or something like that <laughs> i don't know i know what to call that one but uh, that'll, yeah. that'll be interesting as well. So, but it was a third one, yeah. Yes, there's another one coming. All right, so that brings us to a place that Bart was last week. That's he right. He was uh, at Indian Falls Creek. He went there last year. It was the first SBC president to attend last year. This year, Paul Chitwood became the first IMB president to attend and visit Indian Falls Creek. That's right. It's the largest gathering of Native American believers in the world, and it's a uh, really great really great thing that I've, I mean, I've not been, but I have, have heard about it and just an incredible time. Last year was the 75th anniversary for the event. Yeah. Um, we talked about that a lot on the podcast because that also had uh, Mike Keybone was talking right. about it from the resolution that we passed about the, uh, the boarding schools. That's right. That's right. But now um, Paul Chitwood attending, I think that's just a great it's a great opportunity. He yeah. talks about how uh, much he appreciated getting the invitation and was able to uh, to participate. So it's a great story at Baptist Press, uh, and we will include that in the show notes about yes. that. Some There's good pictures. There's also a picture of Bart without a tie. How about um, that? That's yeah, that's pretty incredible. I mean, we've all seen pictures. That's the of most him incredible part of this entire story. We have all seen pictures of him without a tie, but usually that is on the farm or at Disneyland or whatever, not um, at an event. But yeah, you're right. He's in a golf shirt. Well, good for Bart on that. All right. Odd thing this week, Amy. Uh, we have two churches that were struck by lightning and devastated by fire. And then there's mm -hmm. a fire burning in Maui still. Uh, many fires, uh, wildfires out there in Maui. Just uh, oh, it's devastating. Weird, a fire digest item in Baptist Press this week. Yeah, devastating. So um, a Robeson County church in North Carolina in Proctorville, and it was Monday nights. We had you know severe storms through the state, and um, it was a lightning strike. It's just kind of crazy, like like you said. Yeah. And then also a um, Sunday evening in Georgia, Jonesboro, Georgia, Bethel Baptist Church, or the former Bethel Baptist Church. It was now home to Iglesia de Dios Pentecostal. But another one, lightning strike. Man, the 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 photo from uh, Southside Baptist Network just devastating. And then wildfires in Maui, which is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Lahaina has been destroyed. Yeah, the whole city has been wiped out. Right. More than 50, right. and, 50 deaths at this point. Right. And and that's one of the worst. I mean, for Lahaina to be wiped out because there's such history there um, that really dates a long way back before, before Hawaii was a state and they were kind of their own country and they had, you know, royalty. They have all these sort of things related to their um, heritage. And there are some homes and uh, buildings, historic buildings, and they're all gone. Um, I went to Maui 
goodness, about 20 years ago. And there's a really famous luau that's held there in Lahaina. And so of all the places, you know, any, anything would be devastating, but it's really devastating to the folks who love who love Hawaii. So Yeah, so Sin Relief is responding crushing. to the uh, fires in Hawaii. If you want to contribute to that, sinrelief.org, it's the main header there on the website over at Sin Relief. So there's a lot of work going on out there. Southern Baptist, you know, uh, can't really drive that that feeding kitchen to Hawaii. No, so, but they but they do have some uh state disaster yeah. relief directors and ways to get, you know, get get help there. Yeah. So be in prayer for our friends in Hawaii. Give to that if you can over at Sin Relief. Dot org. A couple of more notes, Amy. University of Mobile President Lonnie Burnett has announced that he will retire at the end of this academic year. That's right. Um, he had become president in 2019. He announced this at the conclusion of their faculty and staff convocation gathering. Um, he had been at University of Mobile for a long time, professor yeah, of history, years. dean of the College of Arts and Science of Arts and Sciences, and then president. Um, so he uh, talks about a lot of the the goals that they had set out. I think he this was it. It, it was sort of a, a transition time, and it seems like they really accomplished a lot. Uh, he's I think going to be working you know all the way to the end. So there's a lot of work that they need to do. They're in the middle of their uh, SAC COC reaffirmation process, and they're launching a, a, a new campaign. But um, he will be retiring at the end of the year. So congratulations to him and best in his retirement. And also, uh, you know, be in prayer for our friends down at University of Mobile, where they are looking for a new president to take over after May 2024. All right. Final story this week, Amy. Great story from New Orleans. All of them are. And uh, this one is just really cool. Mary Glenn Ingolf, who is 91, yes. got her degree from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. She is now a master of discipleship. Yes. So I think this is this is really, really cool. Said that she was three weeks away from graduation in 1957 when uh, she had their uh, had her first child um, who was born prematurely and lived just one day. Oh, heartbreaking. And so did not uh, did not finish. And said uh, that throughout the years, she had hoped to finish her Master of Religious Education degree, but the timing never seemed right. And so they'd come home on leave and say, got to get that finished, but never did. They had four children. They were on the mission field in, yeah. uh, in Indonesia, 29 years. And this is what I love. I mean, it's like three weeks away. There can't have been that much. Yeah, she didn't she have a whole lot to, to do. Give her the degree. Landrum That's level. Right. I, I don't even know if it was Landrum then. Yeah. But I'm just so, throwing out old seminary president named so what, so what they decided was that it, whatever like 29 years of missionary service she discipled women she led them to disciple others they uh new orleans learned about this somehow and realized like i think you've done enough we're gonna let those three weeks and uh <laughs> that counts we're, yeah we're gonna let it count and so there's an there's a great story that we'll include in the show notes that just talks about all that they did. Um, but what I love is that um, Jamie Dew went and did her graduation ceremony in uh, in the in her home right there. Isn't that fantastic? I just love it. With her family gathered around, um, did it uh, on August fourth and conferred the degree on her. All right. So here's the connection, Amy. This is how they found out. So her okay. daughter wrote a blog post about her last year. 
And her daughter just happens to be married to this Todd Susan Lafferty. Lafferty. Susan Lafferty's mom. Yeah. This is, so, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. So, so cool. So that that's how they found out. So very neat. So many of you don't know Todd Lafferty, Susan's husband. He's a vice president at the IMB. Mission's yeah. kind of in the blood there. So it says right here, it talks about in this blog post, it talks about how she went to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, that they got married. She met met her husband. They got married. They continued seminary studies. And it says, after the wedding, my parents continued. Mom was only a few weeks from finishing her master's in religious education degree when she gave birth prematurely to my older brother. He lived one day. In the recovery and grief that followed, she was unable to complete her classes and never received a diploma, but that never stopped her from living out her calling here and on the other side of the world. And then it tells all about uh, their their time you know, on the field. And it, it's just, it's really cool how this came full circle. So she yeah. has her degree. Yeah. And you got to read that post too. That post is amazing. So uh, check that yeah. out. And can we include, yeah, yeah can I'll, we include put that, that I'll put that in show notes as well. Yes. So yeah. very, very cool. All right. Very neat story to end on this week. And that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week. This week in SBC history, Amy, lower minds. Well, I actually wanted to go to not anything like specific, SBC specific, but I was seeing a lot of this week in history things um, online about a big time in our nation's history. And it was um, in 1974. What was that? 49. Yeah. So 49 years ago, I could have saved this for 2024, but um, 49 years ago, this was a really tough week in the nation because it was the end of the, well, kind of end of the Watergate oh. crisis. And so I was seeing all these things. Is about, this when Nixon um, resigned? Yeah. Oh, so okay. this was the, this week was the anniversary of Nixon's resignation. So I was seeing all these things from news Shows what sources. I've been reading this week, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I thought. I could tell you about the Ares tour in LA though. Yeah, you can. Um, and I thought, you know, I, I, I'm going to go look in BP and see what all was being said. So I, what I've got that will go in the show notes is three different issues of Baptist Press. One um, was from August 9th, where they took uh, reactions of top SBC leaders. And basically the headline is SBC leaders agree with resignation, register sadness. So, um, you know, this was a time where like it, it was really tough and I mean, people sort of across the aisle, Congress as this uh, is this issue really took on such a life of its own. Everyone kind of accepted that this this needed to happen. Yeah, that, that was the, so, the only path forward, probably. Right. Yeah. So lots of quotes from, um, you know, Foy Valentine, who was with the Christian Life Commission at the time. Um, fi- I find no comfort whatsoever joining Christians across the land in praying. Um, Brooks Hayes, uh, yeah. yeah, there's a quote from him. Uh, Welton Gaddy, um, Jeroy Weber, who was the um, the SBC president at the time. So there's a lot of great quotes, you know, just of of reaction to that. So I've got that. Then um, August 12th, the issue, the the top story was President Ford asks for prayers of the people. So it was, it talked about how he took his oath of office with his hand upon a Bible open at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not onto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
It talks about how his son, Michael, uh, was a graduate of Wake Forest University. So it kind of made a, a connection because at the time it, that was a, yeah, still a Baptist, Baptist school. Yeah. And um, said that at his inauguration, he asked for the prayers of the American people, made a, a reference to that, that just a couple of months before he had become, you know, b- b- before all this happened, that year he had addressed more than 1,500 people at a breakfast from the Brotherhood Commission. So the brother, so he had done, uh, Gerald Ford had spoken to a Brotherhood Commission breakfast in June. So, and in that he called, called on church members to be involved in public service. So there's a, a, a story about that, him asking for prayers. And then, um, and then in the August 13th, there's a, um, a, a story about his first address to the joint session of Congress, where he talks about public morality. He says, um, that public morality comes from the people, not the government, that if we can make effective, you, he says, well, he first says on the, on the higher plane of public morality, there's no need for me to preach tonight. We have thousands of far better preachers and millions of sacred scriptures to guide us on the path of personal right living and exemplary official conduct and basically making a challenge to everyone uh, for right living and, and morality. So it's just interesting pieces. And really, you know, like I said, no, not one specific story, but to say this affected everyone across the country, including Southern Baptists. We did cover it. We did talk about it. Um, I would highly recommend you checking those out. Um, but Watergate was everywhere, including um, this week in SBC history. Hmm. Fascinating. All right. Well, I, I didn't realize that was this week. So I have to remember that that happened in August. All right. So that brings us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? I have two. Is that okay? Well, I mean, they're fitting. They're fitting with this theme. It's it's never gonna stop you. I don't. I, I, you right. Know, you're gonna. You're not right. gonna care if I think that's it's right. Not okay. So. So I have two. One is a book that I just got. Um, I just got it on my Kindle. It came out a a couple of. Well, it came out I guess Cricket a year and a half ago. No, there is one of those, but <laughs> uh, it came out a year ago, and uh, I haven't started it yet. But it's called Watergate: A New History, and oh. it is supposed to be. The first, they're, they're saying it's the first definitive narrative history of All right, I'm going to check that out. All right. That's like full account. Now, the reason I got some I got audible it, credits, I'm going to get that. Yeah. The reason that I got it on Kindle is because I looked at it in the bookstore and it is, it is very heavy, like really, really heavy book. And so I thought, you know, I think I'm just going to do this in a format that's a little easier for me to 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 carry around. He toned those but, arms up, Amy. Come on, you know. Yeah, but it's supposed to be uh, really detailed. Garrett Graff is the one who wrote The Only Plane in the Sky, which is the oral history oh. of September 11th. So really known for documenting everything. Uh, so I got that. And then, so this is all sticking with the theme. They released this year's White House Historical Association Christmas ornament, which, as you know, I collect those. It's a tape recorder. No. <laughs> They all commemorate different uh, presidencies. And so they each year is a historical, you know, nod to a particular presidency and they go through. And this year is the Gerald Ford year. They go in order and it was time to commemorate the Gerald Ford presidency. And it's really pretty. It's a um, it's a wreath, but it has like some little items on the wreath that have connections. So that mean next time is Carter's. Yeah. Oh, that'd be neat. 
Now, the only thing that happens is they every now and then, and I, I, I just have to look if there is a special date, like if it's, you know, the, you know, when it was their the, 100 or 200 anniversary right, or, or like yeah. the bicentennial okay. of the White House being built or something like that, they'll sort of pause as they go through administrations gotcha. and do something commemorative. Um, but I would expect it's harder. But like last year was Nixon, but I think Nixon was the first. It maybe Nixon was the first administration to do the gingerbread houses or something like that. So it was the gingerbread house. So it's not, you know, the the ornament is often connected to Christmases oh, at okay. the White House under those administrations. Gotcha. It's not it it doesn't it's not always super serious, um, but just very uh, v- very commemorative. And sometimes it's a portrait, like the the Kennedy one was the that famous portrait of Kennedy that hangs in the White House. Here's a fascinating question. Mm-hmm. If we ever elected a Jewish president, what would that look like on the holiday decorations? That's a great question. Um, here's the good thing is that because they're, you know, they're behind, obviously. Well, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about in decorations in general because it's all Christmas trees and everything well, like don't, that. Well, I mean, they I mean, I guess it would been, be a menorah and stuff like that. I mean, I just, but they, we've but never sometimes had that. They, but sometimes the White House has had menorahs, right? I'm sure they do. So maybe they would do both? Yeah, possibly. I just, I I just, you know, never had a Jewish president, so. But in terms of the, in terms of the Christmas ornaments, the White House Historical Association would have some time to figure that out. Let's just, for instance, like if Joe Lieberman had somehow become, you know, he would, he was up for vice president at one point, and had he become president, you know, just a different, different flavor on things. I don't know. Just wondering. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out one day. Maybe not. I don't know. All right. My resource of the week. Speaking of elected officials. Way to segue that one, Amy. Thank you for that 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 assist. My resource of the week. A little bit niche, admittedly. This is for an audience of like two people, Amy. But if you're in Ozark, Missouri, on the second Saturday of every month, you can go to the Ozark Community Center from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. and meet Mayor Don Currents in this open forum-style meeting where you have the chance to discuss the things that mean the most to you as an Ozark citizen. I love that. Meet I think the it's mayor. awesome. I think it's awesome. At the Ozark Community Center, which is Southwest Missouri's premier event center. I think it's or, amazing. So it's awesome. I love that he's doing that. And, and here's something else to remember. So Ozark is only like, 30 minutes away from Branson. I know. I so, know. So while there's not, I mean, while in Ozark, I don't know how many listeners we have actually in Ozark. Uh, hopefully at least get, one or two or three. I don't we know. If, have, does Don's wife listen to us? I don't know. Maybe the but, girls do. I don't know. But we got to have people that go to Branson. And so if you're in Branson and it's the second Saturday of the month, head on up to Ozark. And see the mayor, Don. Do the meet and greet with the mayor. Yes. Yes. That'd be incredible. Second Saturday it. every month, including tomorrow. So that is. Uh, can you can you imagine? Can I'm going to get a really <laughs> mean phone call later today. Whenever he hears about this, but. he's going to be like Jonathan. Those for serious <laughs> questions. <laughs> yes. So, but but if people if we went, we would let the people of Ozark I would not ask dominate questions. the time. I would just show up and we, sit in the back and enjoy. We the would fact just that Don would be sit. like, "Why are you here?" We would just sit in the back and clap for everything he says. Yes. Be amazing. So we can organize a senior adult trip. If you're in the, you know, Branson area, organize a senior adult trip to the Ozark Community Center on the second Saturday of the month for the meet and greet with the mayor. So be incredible. There you go. So, all right. 
that's the show this week. We've uh, we've we've covered a lot. Eh? <laughs> we've covered Watergate, cricket, Ozark, Missouri, fires, the whole nine yards. So everything, everything. Again, thanks to our sponsor this week, The Hill. Check that out. Starting August the twenty fifth in theaters everywhere nationwide. Get your tickets today for The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid. So that starts August twenty fifth. Once again, Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Mm-hmm.